0: This morning, I hope you guys are energized, and for those of you who are feeling a little sluggish, we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about the joy of the Lord, and especially here in the season of Advent, I think it's very important for us to be reminded of how integral joy is to the Christmas story. And so um, just by way of reminder, I want to remind you guys that Advent, when we talk about celebrating Advent, this Sunday would be today, the second Sunday of Advent. Um, the Advent means arrival. It's a celebration of Jesus coming to this earth, being born as a human being. And so we talk about it in both the looking back towards what he accomplished by becoming a human being, eventually going to the cross, dying there to cleanse us from our sin, to save us from destruction and from death and rising again on the third day. We look back at that, we remember that in the Christmas season, but we also look forward to his second arrival, the second Advent that's coming next. And so that's what we celebrate this time of year. And I wanted to read uh, this quote from Bonhoeffer. As you guys know, when it gets to be Advent season, I become very Bonhoeffer-esque. Um, I read a lot of his material in general, but I really enjoy um, reading him through the Christmas season. He wrote a lot about Advent and a lot about um, just how we can celebrate this time of year properly. He said this, This is about the birth of a child, not of the astonishing work of a strong man, not of the bold discovery of a wise man, not of the pious work of a saint. It really is beyond all our understanding. The birth of a child shall bring about the great change, shall bring to all mankind salvation and deliverance. It really is an overwhelming truth that we celebrate the birth of a child As this amazing, incredible moment in human history. I remember it really clearly sitting on the bed in our one bedroom apartment, staring at the positive pregnancy test one month after getting married. Now you know something about my story. (laughs) You're like, oh, that's why he's weird. (laughs) It was an incredible thing. You guys, I was stoked. I was so stoked that we were going to have a baby. I was so excited. There was so much joy. And I remember the rush of thinking about all the people we'd be phoning and telling the news to. Texting really wasn't that much of a thing back then. That's how old I am as well. But I remember thinking about the opportunity to share this joy with people. To call the family members and tell them, we're going to have a baby. I'm the first one in the family. Aren't you proud of me? You guys, I was so excited to share the joy that the Lord had gifted us. At that time, I didn't know a little girl. Her name is Gina. She gets to sing next to me. No. No, don't. Oh. That almost got me. No, stop. (laughs) If I start crying, we're never getting through this. You guys, I remember feeling that joy every time we found out that we would be expecting. Christian, Carson, Gabriella, Sophia. Every time down the line, I was so excited, so thrilled. But this type of joy isn't limited to our personal lives, is it? Remember being on the other side of that phone call? Maybe you have been recently. Or you got that text message with the little ultrasound picture in it. As a pastor, I consider this a job perk because when when it comes to like families like talking you know sharing the good news that they're going to there's another baby being born or whatever the pastor usually finds out like right next to that so like it's parents typically and then it's friends and then they get to the pastor but I still get to find out really early on in the process usually before Facebook and so it's a really exciting thing for me when I get that text or I get that call like we're going to have a baby especially when it's one of my my young people that I mentored through their junior high and high school years and they're thrilled to announce that they're expecting there's excitement around it and there should be a, con- a, a context connection for us here in Luke chapter 1 because we should understand this excitement that a baby is going to be born that something incredible is happening something that God does within the womb that's an exciting thing and we can see even more so for Elizabeth who is a relative of Mary who's expecting this child really late in her life I mean we we compare you know Zechariah and Elizabeth to Abraham and Sarah because this was so late in life that Zechariah I mentioned last week tried to explain to the angel you don't understand we really can't have kids anymore right and the angel's like all right then you go ahead and tell God what he can and can't do right And the message that Gabriel relays to Mary when he tells her that she's going to conceive of the Holy Spirit and that she's going to give birth to the one who will be called the Son of God, he says nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible when God is doing what he desires to do. And so Elizabeth is pregnant with the man that we would go on to call John the Baptist. And Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Joy is certainly in order. It's time for joy, and I love teaching messages like this because the context and the focus of this passage is the joy that the Holy Spirit creates. It's the joy that the Holy Spirit inspires in these ladies, an interaction between Elizabeth and Mary, and it's like breathing new life and refreshment when we celebrate what God's doing in each other's lives. So as we prepare to read the scriptures and reflect on the coming of Christ and anticipate his imminent return, let's open our hearts to a season of joy. I know things are going on in your life. Things are going on in my life. I know that next week is stressful. I know that there are situations that are not optimal. Do you really think that these two gals lived in a optimal world? Under the rule and the reign of Herod. Under the ultimate rule and reign of Rome. Do you really think that things were exactly as they wanted them to be? And yet in the midst of that darkness, God brings joy. An explosion and encouragement of joy. And these gals, they embrace it. So I want to call on us this morning, church. Let's embrace the joy of the Christmas season. As we're reminded of what an incredible blessing it is. That Jesus Christ not only came, but he came for us. Amen? Luke chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 39 and read down through verse 45. We're picking up right where we left off last week as we talked about Gabriel and Mary's interaction. Now, we'll see how Mary responds after she says these incredible words. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. She submits herself fully to what God's doing. And then verse 39 reads this way. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry. I'm not going to yell this with a loud cry. Blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. This is the word of the Lord. Did you notice what Mary did as soon as she found out from Gabriel that she was going to be pregnant via the Holy Spirit? And after she submitted to what he was doing, what did she do? It says it right there in verse 39. She hurried. Mary hightails it, so to speak, to the hill country of Judah. She hurries to Zachariah and Elizabeth's house. And it's here that I want to make one point right as we begin, because I think this is really important. The joy of the Lord activates us. The joy of the Lord gets us moving where there's stagnation, I believe you'll find a lack of joy. And oftentimes, that lack of joy is tied to lack of belief. Why did Mary have joy? Why did she have enough joy to get moving right away and go right to Elizabeth? Because she believed what the angel said. She believed what God had sent his messenger to tell her. And there's a huge key point for us in this. If we believe what God has said, we must activate. We have to get moving stagnation is the fruit of unbelief. I'll say it again. Stagnation is the fruit of unbelief. If you are stagnant, sitting still, having a hard time getting going and doing what God's doing, I'm not saying every moment of every day, you're dancing around, jumping, running around, washing dishes, cleaning the counters. I'm not saying something like that. I'm not saying be busy, activate You're moving. Lack of believing that God can do the impossible will lead to stagnation. Lack of believing that he not only has a plan for our lives, but even uses the difficult things in our lives for good, will lead to stagnation. Think about Romans chapter eight twenty eight. You know this so well, and I want to point out something specific in this text. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. What does he begin that verse with? Two words. What does it say? Say it with me. We know. Do you? Do I, do we honestly believe in our hearts that he works all things together for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. If we honestly believe that all things joy activates immediately, we are joyful because we recognize that no matter what I'm going through, God's going to use this. Now, how many of you are knocking this one out of the park all the time? My hand's not up either. (laughs) Because circumstances rattle us, don't they? Situations bother us. Last night, full freak out. Not you, me. Sitting in my living room, thinking about all the things I have to do. And I started going crazy. Like I'm in the reminder list and work on this. And I'm just like, ah, how am I going to get it all done? And God's like, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Do what you need to do right now. Make a plan and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. How many times is our joy being sapped because we're running ourselves in circles instead of just doing the next thing that's in front of us? Just do the next thing. Do the thing that's in front of you. Do the thing that God's given you today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? He says, tomorrow has its own problems. You worry about today. Today is the day he's given you. I might be dead tomorrow. Not you, me. You guys, when we know that, when we believe that, we receive his joy in all circumstances and we move. It's just like Mary saying, all right, let it be exactly as you said. What's the next natural thing that you want to do when you find out that your very much older relative is pregnant and shouldn't be? You want to go see her. You want to celebrate with her, not only to celebrate what the Lord's doing in her life, but to celebrate what the Lord's doing in your life. It's exciting. She activates. In Mary's case, it's this desire to share in the joy. But you know this as well as I do. When you're so excited for someone and they're excited for you. I know what this sounds like when friends of my daughters come over. When they're excited to see each other, the guy's like, Oh, hey, what's, what's up? Yeah, I'm too cool to act excited about anything, but I'm totally stoked to see you. What do the girls do? I can't do it because the microphone's on. Right? Let alone if it's a situation where they haven't seen each other for a while. You know, they go crazy. (laughs) They go crazy. They get so excited. The volume level of the house rises, and it's so encouraging. I love it. It's like a joy bomb goes off in the house. They don't know what to do with it. They're like dancing around the entryway, and I come in there with them. (laughs) Let's go upstairs. Dad's weird. So that's what's happening with Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth hears Mary coming, verse 41. And it says this, you can look at the text again. I'm going to read 41 through 45 for context. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth has received from the Spirit some details. She knows what's going on. But notice this as well. If you were Mary and you were hearing these words from your relative Elizabeth, how encouraged would you be? How excited would you be? How thrilled would you be to hear her speaking these things over you in encouragement? Here's something another key point, you guys joy inspires encouragement. When we are joyful, it will encourage other people. And how desperately do we need to joyfully encourage each other right now? It is easy to bring somebody's mood into a low place. Nothing helps a bad mood like spreading it around. It's true. Think about how much better it makes you feel when you're in a bad mood to make other people feel in a bad mood around you. It's like, yeah, it's spreading. You're like, that's evil. I know. I know. It is evil. But you guys think about this. How encouraging is it when you're spreading joy to each other? When you're encouraging each other, despite your circumstances, in spite of what's happening in your life, if it's negative. You know what I love about this passage? It's so clear. The Holy Spirit is the instigator of this celebration. The Holy Spirit is the reason it's happening. If you ever picture God as being humdrum, quiet, solemn, serious. Don't you smile at me. That's not God. God inspires excitement and joy. He gave us the ability to smile. We just don't do it enough. And we should be joyful in all circumstances. No, not stupidly happy. I'm not talking about stupidly happy. I'm not talking about being happy in inappropriate times when people are mourning or going through difficulty. But joy should still be there. And joy should create excitement in us when God is doing awesome things. You guys, Gabriel told Zechariah that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Luke 1.15, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. This is where it happens. John leaps because the Spirit causes him to leap for joy. He's filled with the Spirit because he recognizes that the Lord is close. That Jesus is near. And that joyful response spurs Elizabeth forward as she gets filled with the spirit and she starts loudly proclaiming the blessing over Mary. What does the Holy spirit inspire her to say? Their words of encouragement and truth. It's nothing that's untrue. It's nothing that's embellishing in a, in a, in a wrong direction. It's all true to what's happened for Mary. It's celebration because the mother of her Lord had come in to visit her. What beautiful language. How blessed am I that the mother of the Savior has just entered my home? Remember we talked last week about the Holy Spirit being in us and how Jesus was physically in Mary. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit in us should give us this respect and this love and this encouragement for each other because we recognize that when I'm talking to you guys as believers and I'm a believer, God is in you just as much as he is in me. And why would I disrespect someone? Why would I even dream of saying something that cuts you down or breaks you down when I recognize that God is dwelling within you? What beautiful language to look at. What a celebration. What a building up because the mother of the Savior has entered. Why does the text say that John leaped within her? It says it directly in the passage, the baby leaped for joy. John the Baptist had so much joy over the coming of Jesus. Did you ever think about that? We think about him coming in the spirit of Elijah. We think about the work that he had to do preparing the way for Jesus. But do you ever stop and think about how joyful he was that Jesus was there? That he was thrilled that Jesus had come. So much so that he leaps in the womb over it? Even before he was born, John was rejoicing in Jesus, just as he did during the ministry of Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 29 through 30, John the Baptist himself says, He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. How much? You can say it greatly didn't say it well but I know that you saw it he says so this joy of mine is complete the joy of mine is complete because the Savior is here because Jesus is here because I hear his voice he must increase but I must decrease we we quote that verse often John 3 30. But how often do we do it in the context of John rejoicing at the voice of Christ and saying his joy is complete because he has arrived? Is God that important to you? Is he that ultimate to me that my joy is complete because his presence is here and that's all I need? Or do we need something else? Do you need something else to be joyful? if God took a certain relationship in your life away right now, would you still be joyful? If God took your home away, would you still be joyful? I could go on and on. Or would we start to question and wonder whether God actually loves us or not? You see, our joy is not dependent on the things he has given. Our joy is dependent on the Christ, the Messiah who was given. Because Jesus was given, our joy is complete and full and everything that we need. It's because of Jesus that that happens. It's not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on our situations. He rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. John's mom taught him that at a very early age, even when he was in the the womb. Because when she heard Mary, she rejoiced and said, the mother of my Lord is here. It's a powerful statement. Loudly too. Don't miss that. I know I've mentioned it already, but she didn't do this quietly. Some of us are more quiet people. Others of us are not. But I want to encourage you guys. There is a time to celebrate and rejoice loudly. There is a time where a loud response is very appropriate. Especially when your wife doesn't see it coming. But here, that that's besides the fact. Blessed are you among women, she says. Your child will be blessed. Blessed is she who is to believe that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Wiersbe had a great quote about this. He notes that because Mary believed the word of God, she experienced the power of God. Because Mary believed the word of God, she experienced the power of God. That power came through believing in what he said. I would add this, believing what God has said allows us to experience his joy. Believing what God has said, Allows us to experience his joy. So many times my lack of joy. In fact, I'm, I'm blanking on a time where this wasn't the case. So many times lack of joy is connected to lack of belief. Me doubting what God has said. This is how we can have joy. No matter what our situation, because our situation doesn't dictate it. What decides whether I'm joyful or not is who my joy is in. And if it's in Jesus, then I can do what Hebrews 13, five says, be satisfied with what you have for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Did you catch that? Be satisfied with what you have. What do I have? Jesus. He says, I will never leave you or abandon you. He doesn't say your car won't break down. He doesn't say that your power won't go out. He doesn't say there will be an unexplained sonic boom somewhere in your neighborhood and we won't be able to figure out what in the world it is. That happened last night. You guys, he says this, I will never leave you or abandon you. Your satisfaction in this life is going to come down to how satisfied you are in Jesus. It's going to come down to who your trust is in, not what you have. Not what you possess, or not what you could possess, or what your goals are, or what your education dictates. Aren't you glad that he used the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? Aren't you glad that Jesus is literally all that we need? You're like, well, we need food and drink and all that stuff too, Mike. Yeah, and he says, don't worry about that stuff, because he knows that you need it. And if you have Jesus, and you apply the gifts and the talents that he's given to you, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He's all we need. He's our source of joy, our singing, our dancing, our laughter, our hopefulness, because no matter how much my physical body decays and how much pain I experience in this world, he will never leave me ever. You want to promise in the new Testament to the church? There it is. He will never leave you or abandon you. Families break apart. Friendships fracture. Churches disband. And the words of Jesus remain the same. I will never leave you or abandon you. He's always with us. Do we believe it? And when we believe it, the way that Mary believed him, then we can live in the way Paul commands the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, he says, Rejoice always. Pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for me? You know, people talk about this all the time, and I know there's specific situations. Should I do that? I don't know. Ah, it's not a sin issue. I just don't know what to do. You know that confusion for us things Now, if we should do it later, I don't know. What's, what does God want me to do? Well, we know it is will for Christ. He wants us to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. How are we doing on that? How are we doing on that? Because if we come to that verse and we walk in belief in the power of the Spirit according to that, I think a lot of the little issues in our lives start working themselves out. I think a lot of times I don't know what to do is because I'm not rejoicing always. A lot of times I'm confused. I'm not praying. A lot of times I just don't understand the situation I'm in. I'm not giving thanks in it. You guys, I can't encourage you enough. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, put it wherever you can see it, write it out and read it regularly. Because it is absolute perspective for the Christian life. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. Everything's a lot of thing. That's a whole lot of thing. Yes, I said that weird on purpose. Like, uh-oh, Mike's broken again. You guys, we're all filled with the same Holy Spirit that inspired these two gals in this moment. Same Holy Spirit lives in you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Don't forget it. Don't forget that. May he confirm in our hearts the same truth as we see in verse 45. That those are blessed who believe in what he said. That we're blessed when we believe that the Lord will do all that he has spoken to us. Not some of it. He's not holding anything back. He will do all of it. His joy activates us. His joy inspires encouragement. As we saw in this passage. And then finally. As we close this off. His joy produces praise. Joy produces praise. For those of you. Who maybe are a little bit quieter. I want to encourage you. And for those of you who are a little bit louder, let the quieter people be heard. That's for me. Prayers of praise, songs of praise. They flow from a heart filled with joy. Ethan the Ezraite. I didn't know if many of you knew he wrote Psalm 89, but you do now. Psalm 89 verses one through two says this. I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my mouth. For I will declare faithful love is built up forever. You establish your faithfulness in the heavens. Did you catch the first part? I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. It doesn't say sing well. It doesn't say sing in G sharp. That'd be weird. I always sing in G. He says sing. Sing your praises to God. In this moment of joyful celebration, that is exactly what Mary does. Her response to what's going on between her and Elizabeth in their home leads to the Magnificat. It's the hymn that Mary sings, which is one of the most well-known hymns of the New Testament. It has so many echoes of Hannah's song that she sings in 1 Samuel 2. She sings this hymn of praise because she wants to praise God for what he's done. She wants to praise him for his attributes. She wants to praise him for his sovereignty. And she wants to praise him for his faithfulness. So she just erupts into hymn and starts singing. Don't be afraid to do that, church. Don't be afraid to praise God for what he's doing. You guys, I honestly believe... That the joy of the Lord produces praise in us, and that includes singing. It includes song, it includes dancing, it includes celebration. Let's face it, we are way too concerned about looking cool. We get made fun of if we dance goofy. We get made fun of if we don't sing perfectly. Does't matter? We're called to worship. We're called to praise and sing and celebrate God. What are we holding back for? You really think that there isn't someone in this room that dances worse than you? He's standing in front of you. You guys, we need to sing and praise and worship God. And I know, I know, it may be a little weird. But you guys, Elizabeth didn't softly speak to Mary all these wonderful things. She shouted them out. She loudly declared. And then Mary bursts into praise and worship team. I'm going to have you guys come on up, but I want to read this to you as they're coming up. And I want, could we do this? This is just on my heart. Could you guys close your eyes? And I just want to read the Magnificat. We wrote a song about this when we did a study on this hymn uh, a couple months ago. And the language of that song that we wrote came right out of this. And I just want to read this over you, okay? This is verse 46 of chapter 1 of Luke. Mary's response to what Elizabeth has just said. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm, he has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He's toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever. Just as he spoke to our ancestors, you can open your eyes. You guys, in what ways, how are we as people to respond and praise him with our abilities? I'm very blessed to be a part of this church. I've never seen a church in my experience that serves so willingly. I'll probably remember this for the rest of my life. Not long ago, we asked for kids' ministry help, and we asked for five people five or six, I don't remember, and we got 11. Do you realize how rare that is? Do you realize how unheard of that is that people are so willing to jump in and contribute and serve with their abilities? that blesses me so much more than an abundance of funds or that all of my ministry dreams would come true. It blesses me more that the people in this church want to serve each other and that you guys want to serve kids, that you want to love little children. Maybe you're an artist or poet, a gardener. Maybe you're a host or a baker. Maybe you think you got no skills at all. Talk to the people around you. They'll tell you what they are because they've experienced it. What are the giftings that God has given you to praise him with? If you believe that what God has said will come to pass, then allow the joy of the Lord to activate you, to bring encouragement out of your life and to praise him through the ways that he's gifted you. He has given every single one of us talents. He's given us gifting and we need to use it because his joy should be building and welling up inside of us to where we just can't hold it in anymore. We're about to erupt. I want an explosive church. And by that, I mean, I want a bunch of believers together who are so full of the spirit. Like I can't wait to let this out. I can't wait to use this for his glory, not for our own glory, but for his God will be praised when we use The unique talents that he has given us for his glory. Advent, you guys, is this reminder that we're invited into the joyous celebration of Christ's arrival. Not only as we look back and we remember, but as we look forward. As we look to where he will return. I want him to find me doing exactly what he put me here to do. Until he either takes me out of this world or he comes and rules You guys, I don't want the Lord to find me sitting on my hands just. I want him to find me doing the work he's given me to do. Using the gifts that he's given me for him. You guys, it's with that focus in our hearts and our minds. It may seem odd. But the first Sunday of every month we celebrate communion together. And we may not connect joy often to communion, but I'm going to read from Bonhoeffer again. Look out. And he says this. The Lord's Supper is an occasion of joy. I didn't make that up. He says it's an occasion of joy for the Christian community reconciled in our hearts with God and the body. We are receiving the gift of the body and blood of Jesus Christ and receiving that we receive forgiveness, new life and restoration. As we take communion together this morning, as they distribute the elements to you guys, I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord, would you bring into my heart an understanding of the joy of sharing in your body and your blood? Sometimes we need to sit and we need to confess. We need to repent. We need to think about, am I in a sinful posture with God? But this morning, I want us to celebrate the joy that we can partake of the body and blood of Jesus because of what he did. And that as his body and his family, this connects us to one another. It's a special thing. It's a family meal. And it's only for believers. It's only for the body of Christ. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's so clear. This is not to be done lightly. And it is to be done, I believe, with joy. Because we are receiving forgiveness, new life, and restoration. We invite the team to come up who's going to distribute communion. And I'm going to pray. And then as they distribute, we'll sing. And then hold on to the elements, the bread and the cup. Hold on to those and we'll take those together. Let me pray. Father, we we ask for a better understanding and that we would grow throughout our lives. And we ask for it this morning in our understanding of the joy, not only of the Advent, but Lord, as we take communion together this morning, that we would understand that this is a joyous occasion for believers that reconciled in our hearts with you and with each other. We're receiving the gift. Just like. We give at Christmas time. We give gifts to each other because we love each other. And Lord, as we receive the gift of communion, we recognize and we remember Jesus that you gave yourself for us. Father, that you sent the son as a gift to die in our place. And so this is an occasion for joy. And even though there is pain and even though there is loss that was experienced at the cross, there was joy because It was the joy that was set before you that you endured the cross and you despised the shame. Joy was in play from the beginning because you were restoring to yourself your children. You were restoring to yourself the lost through your own broken body and through your blood. So Lord, as we just take a few moments to either sing or pray, as we receive the elements And as we're about to take them together, God, I just pray that you would speak and minister to our hearts and prepare us to take communion as a church.